Welcome to Drone Business Talk, the show where we discuss the business of unmanned aviation. Find out about the latest drone applications and trends as we talk to drone company CEOs, business owners, pilots, and thought leaders to reveal the status of the drone industry. All right. Welcome to the 13th episode of Drone Business Talk. We're back with our series on the pioneers of the drone industry. And today's guest is Confidence from B-Drone, a drone pilot, a drone enthusiast, and especially an enthusiast for the agricultural purpose. Uh, hello, Confidence. How are you doing? Good day, Leonard. I'm very well. And you? I'm doing great as well. Thank you so much um, for joining me for joining me on the podcast. Um, one of the first questions that, that I want to talk about with you is how is it um, in Nigeria to start a drone company? How are the laws? How are how are the procedures to to get started with a, with a drone company? Um, the governing body of the drone industry in Nigeria is the Nigerian Civil Aviation Authority, the NCAA. They uh, make the laws, they create the regulation, and also provide uh, an, an enabling environment for what they classify as airlines because uh, the NCA classifies both drone companies as airlines. Uh, we have, though we have our own separate regulations uh, based on the RPS uh, regulation that was drafted in uh, 2018. Um, the, to start a business, to start a drone business in Nigeria, you have to write a letter to the NCA informing them of what you, you, what your company does, what your goals are, and what you intend to do with uh, drone technology uh, within Nigerian airspace, and um, they will take it off from there. So it's as easy as that. All right. And how how long does it take the process? Because um, I've I've interviewed a couple of of uh, companies in South Africa, and for them it takes like two years to get started with a drone company? Is it as bad in Nigeria or is it really fast? Um, I'll say I'll say in the entire African continent, the, the NCA are, are the most proactive. Um, okay. uh, although we, we started our process at the very early beginning where when the uh, technology was not um, was not a, a, a mainstream, right? It was not it was not, it was not popular. So we actually were among the uh, regulatory uh, committee that advised the body on what this technology is and what the global standards are based on ICAO standards and also how we uh, foresee the next 10, 20 years within the industry. So I believe within three months to a year maximum, once you've met all the uh, requirements, uh, you should get your license. Uh, the truth is, the NCAA have actually uh, designed the entire framework to work by your pace, right? Once you write a letter, within a week or two, you've gotten a response of what you need to do, documents you need to submit. And once you submit those documents, you go on to the next stage and the next stage and the next stage. I think there are five stages. And you're good. So... It's, it's it depends on how fast you can get those documents and get those uh, requirements uh, to, to the uh, NCA. Okay, yes, it sounds like if if you're well prepared, that it can go pretty quickly. Exactly. Exactly. Um, one one of the of the things that we we maybe should start with is confidence. Maybe introduce yourself and and Beatron, what it is that you do and what it is that Beatron does. 
Okay. Uh, my name is Confidence Odionye. I'm the founder and president of Bidrone. Bidrone is a multi-sector drone service provider. We provide drone technology in sectors such as agriculture, oil and gas infrastructure, mining, renewable energy, construction. Our goal is to ensure that we do two things, increase efficiency through precision and lower cost of operation. So most of our operations are geared towards this entire two uh, mission. And over the years, we've been able to provide value for well over 200 organizations and have covered well over 50,000 hectares of land across Nigeria. Well, that's very impressive. Um, when when did Bidron start? We commenced our operation twenty seventeen, uh, but R and D yeah. has commenced from twenty fourteen. And how did you how did you get into the drone industry? Because twenty fourteen is it's very early to to yeah. get started with the drone industry. Yeah, um, I've always loved airline. I've, I mean, I've from my childhood, uh, I've always loved. <laughs> The air, the airplane, it was fascinating to me. I actually wanted to be a pilot, but I got scared when <laughs> a family member told me, oh, do you know you have to actually sign a death warrant because, I mean, you, you, you can crash at any given point in time. Like, what? oh, I actually didn't mm -hmm. think of that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the, the fear to actually fly a manned aircraft was actually more, was more like the phobia I had. So it prevented me from actually taking up the pilot career. I got to know of the drone technology and its commercial use cases through the PricewaterCooper uh, 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 journal uh, that's, that is titled uh, Drone Power Solution, uh, Clarity from Above. The document was actually very clear on sectors that drone technology actually uh, operates and the foreseeable future of what this technology would provide within the entire uh, sector landscape, both in uh, America, in Asia, in Europe, and also in Africa. So this document was pivotal to uh, myself creating a, a, an entire framework on what will work. However, that we did, I didn't stop there. I actually had to go to the field to get real-time information, real-time data on what works and what doesn't work. Because a researcher could have a broad, uh, a broad uh, uh, prospects of data that are not actually peculiar to your environment. So by the time you begin mm -hmm. to implement what the researcher must have found out, you would actually see that those data do not actually apply to your region or to your location. So it was very important we actually go out to the field and actually know what the problem, actual problem is, how are they solving that problem, and how are we going to be different from the already existing solutions. So that was what we did. Mm -hmm. um, a, a very interesting thing is what you, what you say there is, is first of all, you, you started in 2014. Um, it's very early, and you've, you've sprayed a lot of land, and you've done a lot of research and development. And it's a very typical thing that I've seen during the podcasts is that African countries are a lot further developed when it comes to the drone industry compared to, to Europe, for example, or, or to America. Why do you think that is? Um, so I believe uh, there is still much more fear that is uh, still accompanied with technology. Um, in, in Nigeria, the, 
that the drone technology was uh, blacklisted as among the um, the the special item, uh, the special import item by the Office of National Security Advisor. So that means that you actually need a particular end user certification to bring in any drone, no matter how small, even if it's just a ten dollar drone. You actually need an EUC. So most African countries are facing the drone technology with fear. But the truth is, the drone technology is like every other technology. It has its good and its bad. So what we actually need to do is actually to open up to see the X, the, 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 the optimal potential of this technology, right? Get to know what are the extreme use case, what are the good and what are the bad. How can we stop, avoid the bad? We don't avoid by total banning. Because mm-hmm. once you once you totally ban, you're creating an entire industry uh, totally, right? So what I believe should have been done and can still be done in most African, all African countries actually, is to sit back and say, oh, how can we deter the use of this technology for bad use cases? Right and support the good use cases. I mean, Nigeria is much more advanced than every other nation. Uh, although because of its sheer size, there is the government always take a whole lot of precaution before mm-hmm. uh, carrying out uh, several uh, issuing out several uh, both uh, uh, informations or approvals. Because I mean, you're talking about uh, an entire population of two hundred million, so it's not it's not a walk in the park. You have to be very careful, right? And um, they, uh, but one good thing is that they have they have been able to listen to we the industry experts. They've been able to also provide as much data as possible for us to be able to get information, right? Yeah. So this 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 um, this uh, this process entirely has enabled them to actually come back to get a detailed information about the industry and how it affects they themselves. Because it does. It does affect them. And they, I mean, Nigeria was among the first nations to actually use uh, combat on man aerial vehicles, CUAVs, right? The army deployed them in the fight against terrorists. Right here. And I mean, even the, even the American government were not aware that the Nigerian armed forces had these capabilities. So, I mean, (laughs) this was far back as 2014, 2015. So it was, the American government became aware when one of the aircraft crashed. And the Nigerian Air Force had been flying this aircraft for years. So the the reception in Nigeria is, is, is good. Because the, the the entire philosophy of a, of a, of an average Nigerian, he wants to try new things. Yeah, and it's, it's part of us. So we're always happy to see new technology, new way. Want to try to see if it works, right? So the acceptance is good. Uh, however, the government also needs to sit back and see how they can make the industry much more open and friendly, right? But still putting in that measure for deterrence for bad use cases. Yeah, it's very interesting what you say um, because um, one one of the one of the important things there is that drones obviously first came from from military technology, which 
a lot of technology comes from first. And what we see here in Belgium is instead of people wanting to try new technology, people think, oh, we're scared. Oh, we, we don't like this. And people think, oh, those drones are going to take our jobs. Uh, we don't want them. Um, so I'm guessing in, in Nigeria in general, the public perception is just more open and more accepting towards those new technologies. Exactly. Um, over here, I mean, yes, we are concerned about jobs. We're also concerned about reduction, about efficiency, because I'll give an example. A farmland of 100 hectares requires well over 20 to 30 people to spray them for about a month, right? Mm -hmm. And the drone will do that in a space of days. So they would rather pay to ensure that they have their lands fully deweeded at a very affordable cost so that they can sell the byproduct, the final product also at below current market value, right? That is the extent of what the drone technology is doing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah so today we have very high acceptance due to the fact that we are ensuring good economic scale, ensuring that uh, 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 margins in terms of both profits and um, and and uh, market value are dropped. So it's it's a it's a simple business use case. Uh, business A is selling a commodity for a dollar, and business B is selling a commodity same commodity for two dollars. Both commodities are the same quality, the same product, but one is much more affordable. The most affordable one would definitely have much uh, more demand, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's it creates a very good uh, economic balance, and I mean we are not actually facing out the entire uh, 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 cycle of the farming uh, operation. I mean you still have the uh, planters uh, and the people who usually engage in the planting, engage in the spraying. So. We are ensuring that the most important ones are actually catered by the drones so that we have improved harvest yield. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. It's a very good way to go about it. Um, obviously, you're very passionate about agriculture and um, aviation in general as well. Yeah. Um, what do you do in your free time when you're not doing things <laughs> with agricultural or aviation? I, I read books and I watch <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> What is your, your favorite book of this year? Um, my favorite book uh, is Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Um, I'm also uh, uh, currently reading uh, about the... I'm currently also reading about the... What's it called? The... Um, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the uh, emotional intelligence as well. So yeah. make to understand how emotional intelligence would also enable me to make much more informed decision, uh, both both either in business and uh, uh, and my practical uh, uh, life or so. Because it's in every day we get to face uh, decisions that we have to make and. Uh, most of the times as humans we make emotional decisions so it's also important how we can be able to um, understand the, our emotions and actually make the right decisions uh, it's, it's I find those books very knowledgeable because 
the authors have penned down experiences that will take years. Mm. Well, maybe you might not be able to experience them in your lifetime, right? But they've been able to spend uh, man hours documenting these information so that we do not actually have to experience them or get knowledge on the spot. So, I mean, during my free time, those are the two things I do. <laughs> All right, yeah. That is probably why you're at the top of your field in the drone business, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of self-development, which is very important if you want to be a leader in, in an industry. Exactly. Um, talking about talking about the industry, how big is the drone industry in Nigeria? Uh, so today, uh, no, uh, should I say no official um, uh, data on this, but on our own research, we found out that the drone industry in Nigeria is valued at over $8 billion. Okay. And that's, that's a lot because uh, the practical use cases here is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. It's beyond, it's, 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 just, it's actually beyond our expectations. And um, if, you, if you had to estimate, how many competitors do you think you have in the drone service providing category? Uh, as of the ones we know, about seven. Okay. And how do you, how do you differentiate yourself from them? What, what, what makes you different and better than the others? Our market knowledge. We have data sets that no one has. Mm -hmm. And how do we know? We know this because most of the co of our customers, whom have spoken with our competitors, found out that both in terms of the technology we provide on ground, our pricing, and our knowledge of their problem, they could clearly see that we actually know what we are doing because we have the right information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is that is a very important factor, of course. Um, how do you see the drone business, the drone industry developing the next two years? How many competitors do you think you'll gain the next two years? Well, I believe we are... I mean, there might be as much competitors as possible. We, we never can mm -hmm. tell. But what we are sure is acceptability. We are going to see much more sectors accept the drone technology in their large-scale operation. From mining companies to construction companies to much more large-scale agricultural companies and as much as possible. We might have few failures on the way, but resilience is what would enable us to succeed. Just as, yeah. <laughs> just as Elon Musk said, that even if the third, the fourth the fifth launch failed. He would never stop until he's totally incapacitated. So I believe every entrepreneur should have that should be able to have their resilience right from within them. Mm -hmm. And for us, we are in we are in it for the long haul. Yeah, I think what what is very interesting about that is um, a couple of a couple of years ago, um, yeah. the drone industry was basically feed, videography. It was taking yeah. pictures and, and that was it. And then that expanded to inspecting power lines, um, solar panel inspections. Um, how do you see it further development? What do you think is going to be the next sex, next sector that is going to get big? Delivery and people transport. 
yeah and so people transport is it's a very it's a very debated part uh, of, of the drone industry when yeah. when what what is your estimate when will we do the first transportation so I, I believe and this is just my opinion in the next four to five years and it might be sooner Forty-five years, okay. Yeah, um, five years. It might actually be sooner, sooner than that, because we've right, seen, yeah. we've seen, we've seen, we've had conversations with companies that have actually developed this technology, both in Asia and in America, and we know that we are very close. Yeah. We've and that would be a major competition directly with helicopter companies. Do you think the drone industry will take over the helicopter we, industry? The drone industry, the unmanned aerial vehicle industry, will take over both the helicopter and the manned aircraft. And it would happen like a sunset. Mm. Like at the blink of an eye... <laughs> The industry, the airline industry will change dramatically. Dramatically yeah, because I... the UAV possesses every single every single opportunity to provide both comfort, both safety, everything that is being craved for in the airline industry. The UAV provides it to a greater extent. The major problem that the UAV sector faces is endurance, right? How can we keep an air how can we keep an aircraft up in the air for let's say three days? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, we've had without had, with, with using it, renewable energy. Yeah, using renewable energy. We can be able to actually solve that. So once that endurance has been 100% cracked, the use case would be enormous. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the very interesting aspects there um, is that we, we put a lot of focus when it comes to air mobility, we put a lot of focus on um, yeah people transport like within cities. Um, like having that kind of stuff. Um, but I haven't seen a lot of, or I haven't noticed a lot of um, developments regarding long distance um, unmanned travel. Um, because in my opinion, it's a lot easier to have an airplane that always flies the same route to have that unmanned than to have this helicopter that flies around the city that is overpopulated with drones. Why do you think it is that we focus still on the, on the, things like helicopter that fly inside of a city hub instead of going for the long distance. So I think like, for example, Lagos. Lagos is a very huge metropolis, right? We have both the mainland and the island that makes up Lagos. And the traffic congestion can be very crazy. If you, if you have a flight by 2 p.m., you have to leave home by 11 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Most times, you leave home by 11 a.m., you can still get late. So, leave by 6 a.m. Okay. <laughs> so, imagine an unmanned air vehicle with stations across the metropolis, right? You can be able to move from point A to the 
airports within the next three to five minutes, as it's supposed to be. So these yeah. are values that we can actually get using the likes of a helicopter or a hang and the rest. Okay, and and when it comes to to B drone itself, um, what is what is the biggest challenge that you that you face as a drone service provider? Um, we the knowledge the knowledge about the industry. I mean that is why we are continuously providing much more knowledge about the industry for more people to get information about this technology and also increase the acceptance within the space. And we're going to get there. Yeah, I think acceptance is is one of is one of the most difficult things to to get right completely. Exactly, and and which is why in order to do this, we've actually partnered with several universities in Nigeria, and we are going to scale up to Africa to provide uh, drone training, an academy that provides skills and knowledge of the industry to students within the university. So we know mm -hmm. that we are creating generational knowledge that will both impact the industry positively. Absolutely. Um, if you could give advice to people who are starting up a drone business right now, what advice would you give? Focus on the problem and provide a solution for it. As simple as that. Yeah, I absolutely. Don't get lost in, in yeah. all the other stuff. <laughs> absolutely, exactly. absolutely. Exactly. Um, I have I have a couple more questions, and and then then it's already done. Okay. Um, if you could change one thing about the drone industry, what would it be? One thing I would love to change is actually decentralizing the drone industry from government. Sometimes, yeah, regulations are good, but sometimes they actually stampede growth. Mm -hmm. A society where government, and this is not just peculiar to Africa, it's actually globally, where the government tells you, oh, you can do this and you cannot, but right back at the desk, the government actually trying to do what they are telling you not to do. Mm -hmm. Right? We have several use cases. For example, in some countries in Africa and all over the world, they banned the cryptocurrency yeah. you see government behind is actually creating their own cryptocurrency <laughs> and <laughs> you get you you begin to wonder or ponder why on earth did you ban something you're working on behind our back right so decentralization is key to the growth of humanity in essence the point where we begin to tell humans the type of knowledge they are meant to uh, possess or showcase is the period we, be, we become less humans, right? We are meant to be creative at every given point in time. Yes, we should regulate harmful creation. Good. But we should not actually stampede on creations that will actually provide great value to the human race. Mm -hmm. I think um, I... I... I agree with, with most of what, you, of what you're saying. Um, but I think a, a very big danger about decentralizing um, everything like that is the safety. Um, because if you decentralize it, then you take away 
the all-overseeing government that punishes you if you do something bad. Um, yes. Then people will go rogue and there will be cowboys flying and then... Um, <laughs> exactly. Things so, will I go mean, wrong. Yeah, so which is why I said regulation should be focused on the bad aspects, mm-hmm. right? Not trying to create a barrier to how much good you can do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it's it's a very frustrating factor if you if you have a good idea and you know what to do and you just are not allowed to do it. To do it, it's, yeah. It's a very frustrating point. Um, confidence that that was my that was my last question. Um, do you have anything that you want to plug, um, like your website, any conference that you're speaking, anything that you want to make uh, an announcement for? I, I mean, basically, every information about Bidron is on our website, bidron.co. And anyone who wants to get to know uh, anything of about what we do or inquire about what how we can provide values to them, they could go to the website bidron.co and uh, send us a a uh, drop us a, a a message, and we're definitely going to reply as soon as possible. All right, confidence. Thank you so much. I will put your website and um, your LinkedIn profile or email address in in, uh, in the description of the podcast. Um, thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you next time. Drone Business Talk is brought to you by iDroneNet, the drone management platform. iDroneNet makes it easy to fly professional drones in safe, legal, and profitable way. iDroneNet clears the air so you can focus on your mission and fly more.